Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2304. Today we're talking about a very interesting topic. I think you're going to like it, so buckle up and be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm well, I'm back across the pond. As you knew yesterday, I was in uh, Darlston in the UK. I decided to stay for another day and talk to a new guest today, a very special guest by the name of Peter Coleman. Peter, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Already, Mark. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. We're going to have some fun. Now, before we get into what you're doing there at Ecobat, because I talked to your colleague yesterday, Tom, we had a wonderful conversation. What's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Peter Coleman? <laughs> it's a great question, Mark. I think people who've, who know me from Ecobat uh, will have will have heard me boring them to tears in some cases about uh, everything we do in the in the field of sustainability and in terms of the future of mobility but what people really don't necessarily uh, work out until they've spent a, uh, a few hours or or had a few pints with me is uh, quite how far back I go into the field of um, of motorsport and uh, quite how much uh, hydrocarbon atoning I have to do uh, in my in my new job well, we're going to learn about that, and I, I love it because I learned a little bit about uh, Peter before we got together today, and yeah, he has quite a background in the uh, petrol world, if you will, and the car world and the racing world, so we're going to have some fun. So allow me to give you an introduction here. Peter Coleman is the EU Marketing Manager at Ecobat Solutions. They're a world leader in the production of lead, lead alloys, and the recycling of lead batteries, and more. Peter began his career in motorsports, working for a track day company, organizing events around the UK at venues, including Silverstone. Oh, there's a track and Donington Park, another iconic track. After graduating from university, he worked at the motorsports events company, uh, then a brief spell as head of international at UK's Motorsport Industry Association, and then worked at a car care company. Oh, you have an interesting background like I. I worked at a car care company. <laughs> he was a brand manager at Bridgestone North Europe as well. And since 2017, Peter has served on the editorial board of the British Racing Drivers Club Bulletin based in Silverstone. So there you go. A lot of car background. But we're going to start with Ecobat and what he's doing there. But first, a word from our sponsors. So give them a little love and we'll be right back. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 
way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. So, Peter, uh, we are back. Before we get into the fun world of cars that you've lived and continue to live in, I really want to focus on Ecobat because as your colleague yesterday, Tom, told us, uh, this company you're part of is so important to the future of the planet, the future of the world. Recycling has become a mainstay in a lot of companies and a lot of countries, I should say, around the world, but probably not enough. What you guys are doing is really cool. And now before we dive into the world of Ecobat and what you're doing, one of the things that brought you and I together today was a company called Teva. And the fact that you have partnered with them, Ecobat is uh, dealing with uh, recycling their batteries and their electric vehicles and so forth. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that relationship? And then we're going to take a deeper dive into Ecobat and all the amazing things that you do. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, well, we certainly owe owe Teva a real debt of gratitude. We're very privileged at Ecobat Solutions to have a lot of relationships with OE manufacturers all over Europe, really. And a lot of the work which we do is very much behind closed doors. Teva is a fantastic up and coming company in the in the field of electric and also hydrogen mobility with their uh, with their really advanced trucks. And so we've uh, we agreed a, an initial partnership with them to to work with them on their EV batteries. And we're so privileged that they're they're happy to share this story and for us to be a part of that. So as partners, we go forward together. And it's really great to be able to talk about something with the cooperation of the manufacturer. Well, when you think about electric vehicles, most of us just think about the cars that we drive back and forth to work. And one of the things about the cars that we all drive is most of the time they're sitting still. They're not being used. I had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago that gave me an amazing uh, number of, you know, it was over 90% of your car's time is sitting, not being driven. But when you deal with a company like Teva or all these manufacturers or distributors, cars that are moving all the time, you think about cabs, you think about trucks on the road, uh, even airplanes and boats, as they will probably eventually all be EV powered as well, is they're not doing any good unless they're moving. And that's where Ecobat comes in because all these batteries have a life. They, they're constructed, they start. And then I spoke yesterday with your colleague, Tom, about second life, which I love the whole concept of this, bringing things back around. So take up or give us your perspective of what Ecobat is all about. And then we'll take a deeper dive into all the different ways that you guys are, are helping keep this stuff out of the ground and keep it reliving, if you will. Sure, absolutely. Like you mentioned, Ecobat foundations are in lead recycling. 
you know, we're, we're achieving something like 99% recycling recoverability on on lead from lead acid batteries and generating beautiful shiny new ingots of the stuff. And what we're doing now with our with our new business in Ecobat Solutions for the last two years in the UK, we've been working with all kinds of uh, electric vehicle batteries and. It's a different approach for us. We work as a service provider to those manufacturers and help them with their sustainability, with their goals around circularity of materials. We're all fairly well versed in the kind of effort, the kind of material density and all of the sacrifices that go into bringing these battery metals out of the ground. It's not necessarily a, a very environmentally efficient process, but what is, is getting the most out of them. And we all, all want to make sure that these that these trucks are, in the case of Teva, are, are are manufactured with a very high rate of efficiency. That's what drives that. But then equally, when it comes to handling of batteries, our role is to get involved and to handle those batteries in their first life. So if there's any potential issues with manufacturing, we're able to offer a very flexible service to diagnose and return, repair and return those batteries back into first life so that you don't end up with a broken unit just sat there doing nothing. Yeah, worse, worse is dumped into the ground somewhere and buried. Exactly, exactly. We would far rather use our capacity and use the people who we have at Ecobat to diagnose, to disassemble, to repair, to return, but even to repurpose or reuse or re-engineer. So we always think that there's another way of getting the life out of this battery and kind of honouring all of the effort that's gone into those rare earth metals that actually fill that battery. The recycling element at the end of a battery's life is really, you know, we want to do everything we can to get the most out of the battery before it hits that point. And that's really the last resort for us. So what you're basically doing is making sure that all these components, and there's a lot of different components inside these these things, maybe touch a little bit on, you talked about lead is where your brand started, but in the new batteries we have today, how many different pieces and components are in there? I know you even got the cords that have a rubber coating, I guess, or maybe they're plastic of some kind coating on those things. How many different bits and pieces come out of a battery? There's a, there's a huge number of kind of types of material and there's a huge number of, as you say, bits and pieces. You know, battery pack is composed of you've got your cells, which then usually feed into your modules of batteries, which is those handleable and very portable elements that we can we can then diagnose and potentially find second life uses for. But around that, there's things like resins. There's things like huge amounts of steel Forgive me for my pronunciation of aluminium. <laughs> no, you, you did it quite well. <laughs> you know, you guys did start the English language, so we're, we're just followers over here. Don't worry about that. Oh, man. I, I, I know that always divides the room. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's all kinds of elements which you can get f straight from the battery pack when you're taking that apart. And every time we do that, speak about we write the manual for disassembly because we, we, people write assembly manuals, not disassembly manuals. Right. So we oh. we know we know what to do with a battery when we see it again. The, the, there's a huge amount, as you say. There's um, manganese, there's nickel, there's lithium, of course. There's all kinds of ferrous, non-ferrous fra fractions that we can derive out of this out of this battery. And the challenge really is making sure that when you're creating a battery in the first case, you actually need to be thinking about something that's becoming more more of a preoccupation in the field of portable personal electronics, and that's the right to repair. 
people would far rather have a cell phone to, that you can replace a battery in, for example, after two or three years. And we, through the work that we've done, we're working out that there are fairly simple tweaks and fairly simple modifications that manufacturers could, and we've encouraged them to make to the way in which a, a battery pack is constructed, just to help us a little more when it comes to being able to to take it apart, to service it. Yeah, there, there's an, an example would be popping a, a drop of glue into a screw hole before you put the screw in. It works for us if it's something we want to put in and never get out again. And, right. you know, it's it's fixed for life. But yeah. how do you get that screw out, and recycle it? And then there's a bit of glue in there that can't, you know, that what happens to that? Yeah, there's all these little things. It, it's quite amazing. I, I one time uh, for fun took apart. Uh, I had an old Apple computer and I kind of want to go what, you know, so I just took it apart and it just. Talk about those little tiny screws. There's like a thousand of them inside holding this whole thing together. But I was shocked. And then you look at a circuit board and all the components on the circuit board and all those little things and and the wires in them, the capacitors. Well, if they even have a capacitor anymore any day, probably more chips than anything. But (laughs) yeah, it's quite fascinating. But most importantly, your real life is the key thing here in my mind, right? Yeah, yeah. If we can, if we can do anything to to prolong the prolong the life and the service life of those that specifically those battery elements, you know, we can we can of course recycle casings and return cables and elements like that if they're if they're fine for for use, then they can go back to the manufacturer again. But it's in getting the most out of a battery modules where they can be finished in a in an electric vehicle. People tend to kind of think 70 to 80 percent is the point where you want to be kind of taking it out of a vehicle mm-hmm. because that has a real impact on the range. It may have an impact on recharge speed. It may have an impact on performance in cold weather, for example. So what we want to do is we want to be facilitating that second life aspect of it. And so it's perfectly feasible that incorporation with the manufacturer, you go from go to stop and you end up with a battery that was in the in the in the belly of a vehicle powering like a temporary stoplight mm. um, at roadworks, for okay. example. Yeah. That's just that or energy storage or use in a solar farm, all just some of the ways in which you'll see EV batteries being split up and, and reused. And you can get many more years service out of them, but they aren't going to be challenged in the same way they are in a in a vehicle having to move five people around or or trucks on full load all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a, several guests on the show, and I, I shared this with you when we had a, a really nice conversation last week and I was being introduced to your brand and learning more about it. And uh, gentleman, uh, David Bernardo at Z Electric, who takes old Tesla batteries out of cars that have been damaged and has them checked, of course, so they're safe, and puts them into old Volkswagen Beetles, buses, Carmen Ghia's, old Porsches, and turns them into electric vehicles. And that reuse is wonderful. And I had another guest on the show did the same thing, but he actually used those battery packs on his wall to power his entire building. And so in the panel, it's just really cool. All this, the sustainability recycling is oh so important. And that's a great thing about what your, what your brand is doing. You know, I like to talk a little bit about uh, mentorship, about inspirations and things in people's lives. And what if there's somebody like that in your life that was very inspiring to you? <laughs> there's a few inspirations that uh, that come to mind. I think uh, I'm, I'm not going to name names to spare blushes and to, <laughs> and to prote- protect the innocent. I like that. Um, spare blushes. That's I like that. <laughs> That's a nice term. But when I'm thinking about the job 
which I do at Ecobat every day. A lot of my job as 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 a marketer is getting the word out, is maybe putting in some kind of promotional activation or something like that. And I, I worked for a guy and he would always challenge me and say, yeah, but what else? What else? What else can you do? What else can you get out of that? Yeah, it's like, well, it's like, Hey, I've, I've just sponsored this guy. I've just sponsored this guy to do, you know, um, we, we put our logo on his on his car and he's going to go and do this. OK, so what can you get out of it? And he really encouraged me to kind of always trying to go the extra mile, always trying to think of different things that you can do with an idea just to get them, you know, get get more people involved, get that idea to go further, involve more people in in your workplace as well. And so that was that was very satisfying from a way to work. And I often have have him in the back of my head you know when i'm when i'm plotting and planning and coming up with coming up with schemes i've always got this guy in the back of my head just going what else can you do and it's one of those little things that keeps driving you on and it drives it drives productivity and i find it, I find it drives creativity as well yeah i love that that's going to be a new little note on my computer here what else yeah thinking about all the different <laughs> things we do in life well what else can you do what you know that could apply to almost everything if you're at the gym working out well what else can you do one more thing today one more step one more weight one yeah i like that that's uh that's very inspirational very good you know how about a challenge uh i always ask challenge questions and it's more to teach our listeners that there's a way out of everything and a lesson in everything has there been a great challenge you faced that maybe wasn't so fun at the time but looking back now maybe in a way you're kind of happy you went through it uh, yeah i think so i think um yeah, you know, I've I've gone through a different a, a number of different kind of career paths to end up where I am, and I'm I'm very very fortunate here at here at Ecobat. I work with a fantastic group of people who are from all walks of life. You know, you spoke to Tom yesterday, and Tom Tom Tom's in a, a real key part of our commercial team. But we have a lot of uh, a lot, lot of great people in the engineering, in the operations, the logistics side. Personally, I came from a I came from a kind of a background in business development. And I, I I find myself going along, and I was probably about ten years time served in that, doing a lot of uh, travel, a lot of international uh, business with lo- lots of different kind of businesses, not just uh, not just in the field of you know, car care, where I know we have uh, we have some experience in common. Yes, we do, absolutely. Yeah, but really, I think there's a saying which is inside every sales guy is a frustrated marketer. Um, and yeah, yeah. And so uh, one of, one of the challenges I set myself was, well, I'm not going to just find myself in a marketing role. You can see a path through to it, but I, I I put myself through evening classes, got a certification, a new qualification, and then started leaning into the marketing side and offering to get involved in marketing initiatives. You know, if they needed somebody to go out and go to a car show and talk to the public and demonstrate products on a on a weekend i'd go and do that or just trying to get involved in that side of things and eventually after some trying and some false starts i've i've now got to the position where i'm really really in a good place in my career with a great company and have have made that transition really because it would be a lot of times it would be the easiest thing to say this isn't working out i'll go back to what i i've got i know the yeah. years of experience of doing but yeah or always be driving forwards 
yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy I stuck with my convictions on that one. Well, that's cool. And the golden nugget you dropped there is re-education. You said you went back to some night classes, learned some mm. new things. Um, that's the key thing that I heard out of this entire story. Not only being brave enough to move into something different, but it's difficult. Change is really hard for people, many, many people. Some people thrive on it, but for most people, it's very, very hard. But realizing, okay, I need to learn some new things here. How can I do that? And today... My gosh, we have we are so in touch. We can sit at home and take a night class on a computer. We don't even have to go. Hmm. And it could be in a different city from a different, you know. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's it's just tremendous what we can do today. So very nice. Thanks for sharing that. Bucket list. If you think about EcoBet and where you want to go, and I know you can't give away company secrets and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. You're the guy, the guardian at the gate here, but is the marketing guy, but where do you see the brand in the next few years? Because to me, the world is your oyster. I mean, there this is coming on fast. The EV growth, the amount of electric vehicles we're going to see. I've had so many people just in the last year on cars, yeah, working in that field. What does the future look like? And we don't want to go too far out because who knows what might happen ever what we went through with COVID. Uh, let's cross <coughs> our fingers. We never have to deal with that again. Um, Quite. So, yeah, absolutely. And you guys, boy, you had... Well, I, we all had challenges, but the UK really went through some tough, tough, tough times. I think about all to Australia as well. Um, they're still dealing mm. with some stuff down there. So, uh, but the bucket list for the future of EcoBat, where would you guys see yourself? Is it purely expansion? Because I know you're in multiple country, countries right now, right? Yeah, we are. I mean, yeah, we've got our we've got our facility in in beautiful Darleston in the West Midlands in the UK. We've got a facility over in Germany. And we've got some very talented people who work over there with us. We announced that we're uh, we're setting up and we'll be operational in Arizona. But all of this is about following the trend and following following where this industry goes. On the battery recycling side, you know, we're not we're not a consumer brand. So, you know, we don't we don't strive for, you know, uh, the kind of glory of um, of everybody, everybody on the street knowing who we are. We just need the right people in the industry to know who we are and to see us for what we are as you know, people who've been certainly from the UK doing this very responsibly for the last two years. We've processed over five and a half thousand EV battery packs in that time and we haven't been saying a lot about it because we've been getting on with doing it um <laughs> like and so so our bucket list is really to keep those relationships going to deepen them where we can and essentially be a partner with a lot more deeply with manufacturers as they go through what is for everybody a really kind of challenging sustainability task so many of these sustainability demands and targets are based around this magic year of 2030 which is such a big number it's it's hard to imagine how close it is where we as ecobat are going to be able to uh, help companies is being nimble agile using the experience which we have and helping that sustainability and circularity of material resources as everybody gets more challenged to be a good citizen in this kind of electric vehicle future Yes, tremendous. Uh, great, great opportunities, great growth for your brand and uh, for the world, for the planet, for all the people in it, too. I think it's wonderful. Special vehicle stories, my friend. I know you're a deep, deep down car guy. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes when I have people on the show from brands that I know you work in the car industry, but you're kind of a little bit different. I always worry, well, am I going to get a car person on the show? And when I learned about you, Peter, I went, oh, man, this guy's like into it. <laughs> he's he's diehard. He's got some petrol flowing through his veins here. Is there a, a special vehicle story that you'd like to share? A vehicle that's been rewarding in your life that you could think back on? 
I mean, yeah, your first car is always special. It was an interesting introduction into into my working life when I, you know, the first job I effectively got was with a track day company. So and that was in uh, without wishing to date myself too, too bad. That was in the early 90s. So <laughs> so you're talking a lot, a lot of vehicles. And my job was to be at the end of the pit lane often, usually because it's Britain in the rain waving the guys out um, and, you know, finding them a gap in the traffic and, you know, doing doing pit lane control or helping out with um, some technical aspects and kind of preparing people for their day on track. And so at that time, you get a lot of Caterham 7s, you get a lot of 911s, you get a lot of, a lot of interesting Japanese machinery coming in. But at the time, there wasn't an awful lot that was necessarily uh, made for the track. And that's that's an interesting way that the the industry's gone. You now get track day specials, whereas then it was just, well, what's going to go around the track? What's going to entertain me? And what's what am I not going to kill the brakes on after about ten minutes of yeah. A, yeah. of driving on track? So it was a bit of a come down when finances and insurance costs led me to get my first car, which was a Fiat Cinquecento. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 500, not, I'm yeah. not shortest of guys either. So it was, you know, it, it, people saw me standing outside of it and kind of wondered how I'd get into it. Oh. So you just kind of end up <laughs> folding yourself in. It was lovely because it had that 1100cc engine in it. All 1100ccs got thoroughly used, had red seat belts. So it made me feel the part. And I read on some of the earlier internet forums that one of the ways you could add a couple of miles an hour to the top speed of it was to clean it. <laughs> more aerodynamic <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah, just, you made me think for a second i went clean it wait okay i see what he's yeah yeah <laughs> well what a delightful little car and it's one so of those clearly. cars especially more in europe because we didn't have them over here really uh when they came out and we had the volkswagen beetle that was probably the closest thing to it although i'll tell you my parents did have a uh what was a renault dolphin Ooh. Yeah, which nobody had. I mean, nobody even knew what it was. I don't even remember. I was so little how my dad even found that car. And I just remember the doors open funny. And it was just this little kind of kind of a Volkswagen want to be. But we didn't have very long because it was not very <laughs> reliable. But uh, yeah, the Fiat uh, 500, uh, wonderful little car. So now the idea of being on the track is an interesting concept in that little thing. You know what? They race all sorts of stuff. You know, I think of Super V's. I used to race. A, you'll love this. I race a Lotus 18 uh, is my oh, first nice. race car. And my first, you guys at the end of the track, you were... You were responsible for life-saving, really, because if you screwed up and sent a guy out on the track and a car was coming, uh, that was the end of it. So that's a very, very important job. But yeah, my first race was in that uh, Lotus. It was a Formula Junior, Lotus 18, and it was in the rain, my first race. I was scared to death. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, turned out to be pretty fun. So car psychologist... I have a special degree in this. I'm going to crawl into your head. So sit back on the couch <laughs> and think about this question. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? <laughs> this is where you kind of get pets that look like their owners, isn't it? It's uh, well, just some, one of those things sometimes, that just... I would say it's how you depends on how you view yourself. I've had some people that view very highly of themselves and some people that go down the road of pure honesty. So we'll see where you take us. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I find that. It's very difficult in the automotive world to kind of align yourself to a brand. Speak as a marketer, people have different relationships with the brand, depending on what kind of thing it is, you know, and, and it's the, you know, oh, no, not me 
relationship with a brand is that people go, I just can't see myself aligning with that ever. Or there's something that kind of makes sense to people. And one of the things I did with my automotive thing was I I, I decided to drop out of the, the rat race and paying monthly for cars. Good and just you. go and buy you're a smart man. Just go and spend two thousand on a serviceable lump that will get me from A to B. And, you know, as a car guy, part of me thought I was selling my soul. I get it. But actually, it's a fun journey. So, you know, it, the, the the phrase we use in the UK, I'm not sure how um, how international this is, is bangonomic. Oh, no, that's, yeah. Not something we say over here, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I thought, I'm going to spend 2000 on this car and I'm going to you know, put fuel in it and service it and see how far it goes. And then when it goes when it goes wrong, hey, it was two thousand. Yeah. No great shakes. Go go and find something else. Yeah, that all went very well. And I, I, still the first. Still, I'm still on my first because it's brilliant. My little, my little. It's not little at all. It's 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 vast by UK standards. It's a Saab nine five estate, and I think it nails me because it's it's slightly unusual. There's not a lot of Saabs around. But people people come come for a ride and they they are very they're very impressed because it does what it does. It's comfortable. It's functional. It gets me from A to B. It's not over spectacular, but but yeah, and yeah, you know, the number of people I've helped move house with that thing is uh, is is quite something as well. So it's become an integral part of you. So I think that's fair to answer the question that way. You become that vehicle. What year is it? We've subsumed into one another. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a two thousand eight. Okay. So it's the it's it's one of those interesting ones. And Saab, because I used to drive an Alfa Romeo as well, Saab's because they've now dropped off from you know being anywhere near mainstream since they stopped making them. Yeah. You get the little wave now from fellow owners, just as you used to do with Alfa Romeo. So you'll see a Saab coming at you and part of the club. You'll get a little wave. Yeah. So I love it. So yeah, it's it's one of those things. You never end up thinking that you're gonna be so attached or feel so identified with something that you bought as a tool and then you end up just just loving it and wanting to do anything to to keep it on the on the road 137,000 miles on that thing now so whoa well you know first and foremost you're a very smart man from a financial standpoint because <laughs> I, and i just watched a video the other day about how high car prices have become and in the u.s here the average monthly payment on a car used to be just over four hundred dollars just hmm. is kind of a lot when you think of it as a median, but now it's over $750. And that's just crazy. I mean, yeah, if you can afford it, but it's most for the average person and even people. I mean, it's amazing. But I'll tell you those cars, you call it an estate. Over here, we'd call it a wagon, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, sadly, there just aren't too many wagons left anymore. And I love wagons. And I had a friend who had a 1977 uh, Saab 95 estate. And if you go mm -hmm. back and look at that car, very funky looking car. I mean, yeah, yeah, very different. But those Saabs were so unique when they came out. And I remember a friend of mine's dad, when I was in high school in the 70s, got one and he said, hey, you want to take it for a drive? It was kind of like they called it the engineer's car because the Saab was engineered. Very much yeah. so. Techie guys yeah, loved yeah. it. And I remember I got in the car and he, this was, he goes, here's the keys. And I, where do you put the key? Well, <laughs> Down between the seats. Is, is yours that way? It is. Yeah, yeah. Very happy that it is as well, because it's one of those very quirky things that makes a Saab a Saab. Yeah. Um, and not all of the later ones had that. But but yeah, I, I heard 
One of the reasons for that, apart from the fact that if you're stuck in traffic, somebody can't lean in the window and pull your key out of the ignition. Oh, um, okay. That, Never that, thought about that's that. That's one reason. The other, the other is that apparently if you, for example, for example, find yourself in a crash, it's far easier to it's far easier to fix you up if you don't have an ignition key embedded in your knee. Oh, I never Just thought about that. that either. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So th- there's a few little bits of smart engineering that creep in there, and so much of this is over-engineered. It has, you know, on, on the driver's side of the vehicle and the passenger side, the thing has two sun visors. You lift up one sun visor and put it in, and then there's another one behind it. Oh, for putting on the side and then having you got yeah, yeah. Oh, one okay. open. What's that? What's that about? Yeah, and safety. don't get me started on cup holders. <laughs> the yeah. cup holder in the Saab nine five is a work of engineering genius. Prove me wrong. Somebody oh, okay. prove me wrong. Okay, well, it's kind of like the cup holders on a Porsche nine eleven. You know, you you push that little thing and the little piece comes down and they kind of come out like little robots. You know, it's talk about over engineering. Mm, yeah, it's lovely. Great. Yeah, it's, it's all those tactile things that just make a just make a car. Yeah, you know, it makes you smile every day. And, you know, for, for that, you don't even have to be driving it. Yeah, I love it. How about uh, great reading? I love to share books here. Is there a great book you could share with us? I had to think about this and I, because I, I, I love uh, going through your website and uh, you know, looking at that huge library of oh, suggestions. Yeah, there's over 3,000 guest down. recommended it's books. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So taken with that. I'll nominate one very quickly that I use and I dip into for work, which is Getting Things Done by David Allen. I'm sure that's not the first time that that one's been mentioned. Great book, yeah. That encourages me to always, you know, to prioritize workflow and have an empty you know, inbox zero situation, which is great. And then I have to really say, you know, in terms of books I read and would go back and read again. And in this case, I sought out the author and managed to find a signed copy is Failure is Not an Option by Gene Kranz, who worked at NASA during uh, during the, the Apollo days and uh, all the way through to the to the shuttle missions. And I had the great pleasure to visit the Space Center at Houston on a vacation a few years back for $50 there you can have dinner with with an astronaut not on your own oh, wow. but you can but you get to go into this room and they bring out one of the old astronauts and they hold court and they'll do photographs and they'll do a Q&A and this guy just you know he put me onto it I read his book Gene Grant's book got recommended and it went on a huge journey since then. And um, yeah, happy to say that I've got Failure is Not an Option with Gene Kranz's signature on my bookshelf. And um, I'm an absolute space nut these days as well. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Very, very cool. So Ultimate Drives, I'm an enabler here. I will uh, park anything you'd like in your driveway. You can take it anywhere. And But here's the key. You can take anybody with you if you want to take Gene with you. You can talk about space and drive in <laughs> some kind of a fun car somewhere. What does the Ultimate Drive look like for you? That would be quite something. I've been on a retro kick, Mark, because I was, uh, I've was i been, um, been doing a little bit of research for an article I'm writing about the 30th anniversary of the, the Grand Prix at Donington. Uh, which was yeah 30 years ago in um, around Easter time 1993 and it was won by the the great Ayrton Senna so I was there and I got to see my hero race um, and I'm going to nominate a car which he helped to develop which is the Honda NSX because anybody I'm sure loads of your readers will know the YouTube clip I'm referring to where he you get to see him taking the NSX around Suzuka and there's a cutaway camera showing his feet and it's just absolute poetry in motion. 
Yeah, I've sat in an NSX, but never had the chance to drive one. So that's absolute bucket list stuff. So enable that, please. Okay, yeah, I'll let that happen. <laughs> I have a friend that got into those and he was doing some pretty crazy modifications of his Amazing. NSX. Oh, yeah, just some crazy stuff. He, uh, Yeah, <laughs> Brian, he, uh, he loves to take a car. He cannot get a new car without touching it and doing all sorts of things to it. But Ayrton's one of my my heroes as well. In fact, I even have a quote of his on the back of my business card. Uh, now my younger listeners go, who has business cards anymore? But I do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and my quote that I love is, the past is just data. I only see the future. So mm-hmm. I love that that quote of That's his. Neat. Yeah, very cool. So um, uh, you've taken us on a wonderful ride and a ride with Senna around Suzuka would be pretty cool as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably, probably even more fun than being on cars. Yeah, but uh, I hope it, might have a, a close second. Could you share maybe some parting words of wisdom or inspiration for our listeners before we let you go? Absolutely. I think there was a there was a kind of a pivotal time when I kind of was, was getting into uh, cars and getting into motorsport. And there was a there was a period where I was the outsider looking in and I started marshalling, so volunteering as a marshal and to, you know, be one of the safety crew at my local my local circuit in the UK just so it would get me into the paddock so I could you know that got me free access to the paddock once you're in there you can bang on doors and say do you guys need a hand next season and the same thing happened when I went to the the motor show and saw the uh, the team from Top Gear filming there and I went up to them and said do you ever need somebody you know just to run around and you know get a bit of experience and make some tea and coffee. Both of those occasions, I ended up with two weeks experience working on BBC Top Gear. And I ended up with the the the, the job that started me off in motorsport running track days. And the message that is very simple, asking is free. <laughs> asking is, yeah, I love that. I, exactly. And you know, I say this to a lot of people is if you want to get into a field, go donate some time, volunteer and you know, and ask questions. Asking is free. You might get a no, but you might get a yes. Yeah. Right. And uh, you never know. If you get a no, that's just the first no. The next one might be a, a possible yes, and then a yes. But that must have been pretty fun. You know, I just enjoyed watching the second season. I think it's the last he's going to do, unfortunately, of Clarkson's Farm. Jeremy Clarkson. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, really yeah. enjoyed that because you know he's a very controversial figure, of course. And he can be off-putting to some people because he's, you know, he's very verbose and whatever else you want to call. I like the guy. I think he's just, I like disruptors, people that kind of put themselves out there. And I always enjoy Top Gear, but that show to me opened a side to him that I didn't realize was there. It, it seemed to me, unless he was just putting it all on, a very caring side uh, of him, not only to the environment, but the people of his community. Uh, to the animals that he was learning about and his his passion and his understanding of how important farming is in the world and how hardworking farmers and, and that is personal to me because my father or my father grew up on a farm and his father was a rancher and a farmer and, and uh, how hardworking they were. I know that's where I got my DNA for hard work because as my grandpa said once when he drove all the way from Texas to San Diego to visit and three days later he goes, we're going home now. I said, you just got here. And he goes, the cows and horses don't take a vacation, Mark. I got to get back. Very but fun. I like that. Asking is free. How can people learn more about Ecobat Solutions? We have our, our website via ecobat.com. And you can find uh, Ecobat uh, on LinkedIn. It's just one big account. We're all one Ecobat. And I'm there as well. So uh, 
Awesome. Great. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time with me today. And I want to do another shout out to Ben Lewis and James Parsons that influenced mobility. While they don't work for your brand, they were responsible for getting you on this show. So thank you, you guys. Uh, You always bring me some very inspiring automotive enthusiasts. I appreciate it very much. Peter, thanks for being so generous with your time today and for bringing Tom yesterday onto the show. If you listeners missed my uh, talk with Tom, please go back and you'll find that on the Cars Yeah website or any mobile device for your apps. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for your time, Mark. Absolute pleasure. Ah, for me too. Cars Yeah! has teamed up with TechForce Foundation, one of our charities of choice, to help young people who love cars, problem solving, and working with their hands pursue careers as professional technicians. From auto, collision, and restoration techs to motorcycle boats, race cars, and aviation, TechForce covers the gamut of technician opportunities. Technical education and the skills trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn how you can help to power the technical workforce at techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.